everybody. Before we dig into today's podcast, I hope everyone is doing well. Artists, photographers, neon makers, vendors, shop owners. If you just love neon and if one day you hope to own your own sign, whoever you are, I hope you're all okay during these trying times. Number two is our merch. If you ever wanted to wear something with the intent to feature neon front and center, it's online. Hit merch on the main nav on the site and so on. And last, text us, 917-565-9616. Love to hear from the community, general thoughts, musings, and or whoever we should have on the show. Whatever it is, hit us up, and here is your podcast. Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, neon, helium, xenon, krypton. Transform and roll out. Max at Mondo Neon. I'm with uh, Thomas Rinaldi, author, also photographer. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So Tom and I, we, we go pretty far back, believe it or not, New York. Um, I was thinking about the time when we had met initially. It was, a, I, if I remember crawl, it was a Lower East Side and a rooftop bar, maybe 2000, you know, maybe 10-ish. I'm not really quite sure. But the interest was, was that we had met randomly. Um, and this is fun because it's a conversation. I think these stories are cool. You had to come up and you said, look, you know, I'm, I'm Tom, I'm, I'm interested in, uh, you know, art and whatnot. I think we connected and I said, you know, what are you up to? You said, oh, I'm writing a book about neon. I said, well, I happen to know some folks in neon <laughs> and that, and that really was kind of the, the lifeblood of the book. I mean, you had really kind of driven and, and your interests are all over the place. Um, I tell people, you know, Hey, start where you like, but for you, it's like, you know, you're so captivated by the city. There must be a really cool story. Like what is it that, you know, got you to, uh, kind of the place you're at now where you kind of hold on to neon books. You, you know, the whole circle, circle of neon folks that are in the kind of the area. Um, what was it to, to kind of get you to that point where you're like, I gotta, I gotta tell a story about this. I gotta go out there and figure this, this sign culture out. Well, I've always been kind of drawn to things that are ephemeral and disappearing. And before I got involved in what became the New York neon book, I'd written a book, co-written a book called Hudson Valley Ruins in the Hudson Valley where I grew up, looking at historic buildings, basically between New York and Albany along the Hudson River, that all had in common that they were kind of threatened by neglect. And so there was this like race against time to photograph them and this feeling that, of, you know, that there, was, there would be an importance to the photographs is like, you know, all that was left of these sometimes pretty important buildings. And, you know, kind of on the heels of that project is when I had moved to New York and, you know, really got drawn into almost doing the same thing with these signs because, I, you know, I, they were, were always kind of just there uh, in New York and other places. And I always just loved them and was more and more kind of stopping to photograph them and more and more realizing that, you know, it, there was this race against time kind of aspect to this because they were disappearing faster and faster, especially in New York City, you know, which was kind of in the, two, the 2000s into the 2010s uh, and, you know, fits and starts with the, you know, uh, recession and now with the pandemic. Um, but I mean, there's development pressure in, in New York that's, you know, just erasing anything that's old, uh, anything that's ephemeral. Uh, you know, there's like a, there's a legal apparatus for protecting landmark buildings in New York, but neon signs just really, you know, slipped through that uh, legal apparatus. So it was just kind of this, there was this, this, challenge to go and photograph these things and you know so that was kind of like what drew me into it and you know then the more I found out about it you know just the, the more I was drawn to it I mean, the story of neon is just 
is, is this great American story. And I mean, even though it's, it's, it's a great American story, but it, you know, it's different in all parts of the world. It's, it's not uniquely American and, and Neon really kind of came here from Europe, you know, like a lot of kind of technical innovations, we kind of took it and ran with it. And um, so, you know, Europe has its own kind of neon story, of course, like Asian cities, you know, think people think of like Hong Kong and Tokyo and, and, uh, you know, all of the neon that are you know, all the signs that are part of those landscapes. But, um, you know, in America, it's really kind of had its own thing. But then, you know, it's a different thing in different parts of America. I mean, like, so that, you know, the kind of neon experience of New York, or people think of neon in New York a little differently, maybe than they think of it in Las Vegas or Route 66 or Los Angeles. Also, too, so, I mean, to cut you off, but also like the, I think that, you know, even New York, I mean, you look at the, the kind of the attitude towards neon is very different and predominantly with has to do with society. So I largely think it, I believe it has to do with the sort of the language determines a connection with the cultural heritage. So if you look at Hong Kong, there's even places like in Europe, they're mostly based on, you know, what it connected to. So it would largely be symbol driven or situational driven, or even like, this is what this is, you know? So there's a mixed tone to it, you know, whereas American is largely commercialism, you would speak to a particular business or, you know, deep connection to, let's say something on sale or something of that nature. I think that, um, you know, and it's kind of interesting you touch on that, you know, for experiences of everything that we talked about, even though we're going to largely talk about New York, is that neon has made its way across the world. And so it's much, it's much deeper than what typically know it as, you know, for instance, in America, uh, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah. I mean, neon here had the, you know, kind of like uh, the, it, it's had this incredible, like, you know, rise and fall and rise again. And I think that's kind of unique to neon in this country because, you know, neon in this country, you had the whole kind of uh, urban decay, uh thing that happened here that didn't really happen so much I, maybe i'm wrong i don't think so you know it, it, that was more something unique to to the u.s than say asia or europe and neon really kind of got caught up in that story you know in in uh, being associated with these like seedy businesses as you know uh prosperity kind of left downtown areas neon got you know associated with the kind of seedy hotels that were still downtown um, and the kind of one-off kinds of businesses that would be along bypassed highways. I mean, there's like, you know, the Bates Motel and that famous kind of uh, iconic imagery of like, you know, Norman Bates flipping the sign on and, you know, sort of, you know, we say like old habits die hard or something uh, <laughs> when he, when he does it, you know, it's, so, um, you know, that's sort of uh, the thing that, I don't know, maybe it's most fascinating. But I mean, so, you took, so you took the book and you really ran with it. I mean, so you come out with the book, 2012. I remember where it was, the, the book launch party was, uh, it was at Let There Be Neon. And I remember thinking, you know, a lot of really superb people were in line to go and check that thing out. It's, it's, as time went on, you know, I was able to kind of go and take a look at it. And what was really unique about the book is you really did start with the history of New York, where kind of the early efforts of championing larger signs, which kind of largely I hadn't necessarily been exposed to. Um, and a lot of the photography that you were able to get was really, uh, really a fine example. Um, not only were you kind of looking at the architecture and, and some of the, you know, some of the designers at the time that were leaving some of these uh, kind of breadcrumbs, if you will, but historically you were going to high preservation levels where you're actually going into some of these locations, asking about the sign, where they were made, 
um, meeting some of the actual owners of the, of the businesses that you were still trying to track down on, on to the extent of when it was made and how it was made and who actually created this thing. I mean, what was it like? Tell me some crazy story about, you know, what, what maybe a time when you got caught up in that or largely it kind of the door shut on you, but you were able to figure it out later on what was going on with the sign. Uh, I'm tra- crazy stories that I, that I would be comfortable telling in a, like a, in a recorded <laughs> place. I don't know. I mean, one thing I will say, like where I thought I had a, a an in to do something that had not been done before was to, write about these signs and really kind of write about like where they came from and the businesses that commissioned them and the businesses that made them and who worked for those sign shops and, you know, who were these people that started the sign shops and things like that. And I mean, you know, a lot of it was like, uh, was really kind of covering a lot of ground, you know, pounding the pavement, you know, uh, and getting up at six in the morning to go up to the Bronx and go up, you know, to the Latera sign shop, which is no longer around. And, you know, get the tour there before they got too busy and I had to get to work and stuff like that. I don't know. That's not a real crazy story. Uh, I will tell you that. Maybe one of the bar owners. I was thinking, because if I recall, I think there's obviously some bar owners that were involved in in some of the intricacies of trying to get to the point of where the sign came from. Um, I'm sure some of those places, you know, are, I have interesting details. I don't know if they're crazy, but they have interesting moments. Um, well, I mean, I'll tell you that, you know, you talk to like anybody who's, who's a, a neon guy or, you know, anybody who owns a sign shop, you know, at one point sign shops and neon shops were like, it was the same thing. Now, you know, sign shops, you know, many of them don't have any kind of neon going on at all. So neon and sign shops are kind of different now. It's not so much the same thing. Anyway, you talk to anybody that, that runs or ran one of these shops in like the heyday of neon signs and they have absolutely no end to stories of the crazy people that they had to deal with and you know chasing people down to get paid and you know all kinds of you know they were really kind of between a rock and a hard place between you know the people that uh you know sort of uh, looked uh down on their business and you know the people who were just kind of their customers who were you know not such great customers but you know at the same time i think you know, you know there were a lot of rewards in it for them too and i mean you know i i think uh well i don't know i think there's a lot of people i talked to who are sort of old timers in the business that said you know i there's no way on earth i'm ever gonna let my kids into this business you know they want something better for them and uh you know they sort of made sure that that happened because you know, for whatever the rewards were, it, it was just not, ultimately, I, I feel like they maybe thought it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but Yeah. Well, uh, I think too, it's also like your, 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 your studies too, you know, when, when you went to not only this, the New York department of, you know, uh, of documentation level, you know, where you're going in and you're, you're touching on those, those resources. Um, did anything surprise you? Cause I mean, the, the photo work that you got was spectacular, you know, um, some of those signs, you know, even being hoisted up, installed, uh, you know, returned to some of their rightful places. I mean, you have some of that documentation and it's, it's early on enough that I think a lot of New Yorkers don't know, um, you know, what do you hear from people that have read the book that you think is surprising or like feedback that you were like, Oh, I never even thought of that, but that came out of that. Ooh, tough question that I, I Hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Thank you for what you said about the photographs, though, because that, that was like a that was a lot of work. I mean, you know, some of the stories of like doing the book were 
Um, I mean, I'll never forget the day uh, I went out to get, so most of, to get the right photograph, to get the photo right the way I wanted it, for most of these places took like at least three, three times going to the place with a camera on a tripod before I got it, you know, a photo that I was really happy with. And, you know, this was like going to Staten Island to find out that, oh, the drugstore is not open today. (laughs) (laughs) um, But the worst was going out to Jamaica, Queens after work, you know, and I had this like one hour window to get the photo at the magic hour before it got, you know, before the streetlights came on and, you know, it got sort of too dark to be able to get any of the context. Um, You know, so I'm like running out of my office and, uh, you know, after work, one afternoon and I I get almost all the way to the subway and remember I left my tripod in the office. So to go run back up to the 18th floor, get the tripod. Now I'm like really, you know, racing the clock down into the subway from Manhattan all the way out to the second to last stop on the E train. And I'm running up the stairs knowing I'm losing my light and I'm actually pulling out the legs of the tripod as I'm running up the stairs from the subway. This is like the rush that I was in. And I get to the top of the stairs to shoot the estate's pharmacy on uh, Hillside Avenue, I think. And uh, I, you know, I turn at the top of the subway stairs and the sign is gone. Gone. They LED'd the damn thing. Ruined. This whole, one of the most beautiful storefronts in New York City had just been destroyed in like, you know, the, the month or two since I'd been there before. So, you know, the light well, was a, That's a funny, <laughs> it's such a fascinating story because, you know, everyone can relate to trying to get to a place on time, but just imagine what it's like to try and think of this thing even being on. And then just the ramifications of will it be at the right lighting, what point. Um, and it really was, I think, a journey for you. Because I can remember times when I would, you know, kind of check in and be like, hey, how's it going? You're like, yeah, you know, I've, I've been down there two times now. And, and I think it's going to work on the third time. <laughs> and just the tireless effort that went into this book. And I think people, I really want people to know that, listeners, to, to go and check out this book, New York Neon. Um, because it just really represents a, a stronghold and not only the, the, the time at which these signs were really relevant, but a lot of them that still can and do exist. Cause we talk about the ones that got lost, but a lot of them you, you got, I think rightly before they, a lot of them got taken down. In fact, I was thinking about this and um, I really enjoy your work. You have an excellent blog called New York neon and people can check that out where you really kind of, I know a blog. I mean, I love blogs. I still check them out. You still go into, you know, the day-to-day aspects of neon in New York. And so one of them is like, I mean, I was even learning stuff that I didn't know, like, uh, you know, the, the D Robertus pastry shop that, you know, the sign's now gone and yep. I changed, you know, it went from a coffee shop to something else, but that's gone. And then also the union square, uh, coffee shop is now. Oh. So those are, these are, these are, that's in Union Square. For anybody who doesn't know, at least hasn't been in New York, I mean, there's, there's just iconic locations that are center points to an area. And when that, and when things like that, it's a vertical sign that, you know, you remember it, it's a coffee shop sign that goes all the way up and down the side of the building. And those are just not, they're not as, not only are they not advisable to put up anymore, because obviously there's zoning laws and everything else like that, but it's just not something that you can invest in smaller businesses that are able to do this sort of thing. So to see those signs disappear, um, you know, are you still kind of going out there? Is there any possibilities for revisions for the new book? I thought about that myself when I was looking at some of the information, because there's really a lot of good stuff you're, you're putting online still um, about neon. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I don't know. I'm glad I did the book when I did it because, you know, the idea that it was like a race against time to photograph these things turns out to have really been, I was onto something because, you know, a, a hefty chunk of what I got out there and photographed is gone already, you know, and it, I, I actually have a spreadsheet, which I need to check, but I could look, I could check the spreadsheet and get you like an actual number of how many have disappeared of what I photographed. And I mean, what I photographed was already like, you know, uh, uh, you know, the kind of like paltry remains of what it had been. I mean, I did figure out that between, I, I, off the top of my head, I'm going to sort of paraphrase the, the, the statistics, but between like 1925 and 1955, the city of New York issued, say, like 75,000 permits for outdoor illuminated signs in Manhattan. You know, so say, that's a, so it's a pool of 75,000 storefront signs, basically. Uh, we're talking about most of which would have been neon, but not all of them neon. Uh, but in any case, like any of those signs, I would have wanted to photograph for my book. And of those 75,000 signs in Manhattan, there were maybe like maybe 250 or 300 remaining. So, I mean, you do the math on that. Wow, and it that's means, a significant number. You know, 250 out of 75,000 that's your percentage chance of surviving if you were a neon sign, you know, installed during that period. So, I mean, it just, you know, that was a, a, a kind of an actual way of like scientifically quantifying the degree to which these things are ephemeral, you know, and of that 250 a few years ago, I mean, the number's significantly less now, you know, and the pandemic is not, you know, being kind to these, you know, one of the, the Clover Deli just closed, which was one of, you know, like the, the really the best surviving neon storefronts in the city. I mean, there were some that, you know, I just, saw that with the green and the, and the, and the kind of the cursive handwriting, it's actually something uh, I really enjoyed. And, and it's so cool, but what is so unique about this environment that we're now, I mean, even I was thinking when we met, it was kind of pre Instagram era and a lot of what you had done kind of predated was. the movement that is happening right now with there's multiple collectives, multiple photographers sort of doing, not necessarily similar things because I think you really delve deeply into New York uh, culture, which is fantastic, but there's still the same kind of uh, energy about it. And, uh, you know, had you done all this now, I think, you know, you might've gotten things off the ground a little bit quicker, but it was still really neat to see um, not only books coming out about neon that used to be around, but the photo work that's doing on Instagram, are you able to connect with anybody out there right now in the kind of in the internet world um, that's kind of inspired you and said, Oh, wow. You know, I, I never thought of it that way. Have you been able to kind of use that as a, as a, as a resource? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. The whole, like, Instagram phenomena, I mean, you know, I would say that, like, a lot of the the people who are, you know, really actively, uh, you know, uh, sharing their photographs of these signs through Instagram, you know, probably have motivations that are not that dissimilar from, from the motivations that I had. I mean, you know, I, I really do think, like, for a lot of these photographers, it's kind of like a race against time kind of aspect to these things and a sort of desire to you know, feel that you're like, you're, you're making a, a record, you're documenting something that that is important and that your, you know, photograph of it is is going to be important because it's going to be all that's left of the thing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think, you know, just the advent of digital photography and if the photo sharing platforms now, you know, it had, it was Flickr at one point. Um, and, you know, now it's really Instagram, uh, you know, just kind of like, uh, you know, they're just so well suited for, 
for this kind of exercise. I have a, a New York Neon Instagram that is really kind of like, you know, a feeble attempt <laughs> compared to, you know, what uh, a lot of people are, are doing out there. But it's interesting to have like, you know, uh, it's kind of given rise to these like communities of sign enthusiasts. And, you know, I, I hear sometimes, you know, horror stories of like any of these things, you know, it's not, uh, sometimes it's not all uh, wine and roses, uh, but, uh, you know, the flip side of that is that like, uh, you know, a lot of really good friendships, you know, have kind of come out of this. And I mean, a, a community has come out of it. I mean, um, there is the Society for, Com uh, for Commercial Archaeology, which is kind of like an organized, you know, group of, of uh, people who are, you know, aficionados of science and other kinds of like commercial roadside Americana kinds of things, diners and gas stations and that kind of thing. It's all sort of, you know, they're all related to each other. But, um, but I've made some, some friends through that too, you know, people who I otherwise, have, I'm sure I would not have had the chance to meet, you know, and, and we go out to dinner sometimes and, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's great to, you know, share an enthusiasm for this kind of thing. And it's interesting also too, as, as, you know, kind of an enthusiast is different. There's a relationship between the enthusiast and the, and the practitioner, you know, and for the book, I really had to kind of like get to a point where I could speak about it, write about it you know, and not sound like an idiot, you know, like, and, and you know, come across as, uh, you know, being somewhat educated about it, um, which was a steep learning curve, um, you know, and I have not bent a, a, a tube of neon, which, you know, is, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, um, you know, most people I know, most of the serious enthusiasts have, like, found a way to, like, at least, like, you know, try their hand at it. Well, and, and it's funny because, I mean, I think we all learn through osmosis, but one of the fun places that people can go to is, you know, the process of it all is, is I think, some somewhat micro content to some people, but other people would call it the familiar education that everyone deserves. And so I think you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I would I would put a I would put a stake in that and say, you know, if you ever wanted to do it, there's definitely a, a stream of consciousness that I would say would allow you to go out there and get it done. But uh you know, look, I mean, you, you executed at the highest level. You wanted to make a book about neon and in the environment that you were in, it was rather difficult, I think, at the time to do so. So your creative output was was very impressive to me, I think, in the sense that I never learned of anyone that had been really wanting to go and, and tackle something that 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 huge. You know, the thing is, you were going to multiple boroughs, so you know, Brooklyn and Queens and Manhattan. It wasn't just like you stayed on the island. And I think that's really important to 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 put some sort of uh you know because the internet was sort of helpful but to some degree you would use the support that you had learned along the way people that you had really kind of structured and and, and helped you guide you in the right direction hey did you go see talk to so-and-so or did you go see this sign it's only open at this time of day but you should ask for so-and-so and so i think there's a heavy amount of respect for the community itself i think from certain individuals i think it's an it's largely based on audience so certain people really like photos and some people don't want to read about it and so i think having a combination of both was also very smart on your part um because i think you have aspirations for both and i think people consume um you know information differently and and i think the psychology of neon is very much you know both i think we think of it as commercial signage and some people consider it art and some people don't and that's okay i think what we make about it is that you know hey here's the here's the information if you want to go out and um look at this stuff it may not be around but you know i've done the hard work for you and then of course if you're still interested you know there's still millions of ways you can go out there and 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 sort of dissect it and i think that's the best part you know kind of uh wh where i think the book takes you is a really special place you know where you can kind of start to understand history a little bit more 
because the stories that you have are, are really unique. And uh, let's face it, a lot of time has changed since those, mo- you know, a lot of those people are no longer with us. And uh, I think aim of this podcast is largely to preserve some of that and to put it back on, on track for other people to, to enjoy or, or consume if they'd like to, you know, and, and I think that neon has a very, like you said, very varied history, but a lot, a lot of it hasn't necessarily been documented or been kept in, in place, you know? So those, those people doing that type of work are very important, which takes me to, to my next question, which was um, you're involved in neon speaks or, or you were, and I think you largely are in the next uh, phase actually. Right. Is that right? Yes. I have a bit part this year. Last okay. year I had a, a bigger part, but uh, it, no, it, it's, uh, it's, it's challenged by the pandemic, but still going to happen. Uh, thankfully. And, and for anybody that know, this is, this is a group of, a collective group of, of people who have put together a, a three-day event and, and largely all aspects of neon and, and signage and you name it. And um, yeah, it's just been great. And so of course, like you mentioned, it's virtual now this year. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's a, there's a, that's a double-edged sword because uh, on the one hand, it's actually easier for people to take part in it, you know, from farther away. It's, it's organized by uh, San Francisco neon uh, and which is a book and a, a, a project and maybe the, the kind of most ambitious project to, to successfully preserve uh, storefront neon in situ uh, in San Francisco. San Francisco, you know, you might not sort of, it might not leap to mind, but San Francisco has like maybe the, really one of the greatest kind of concentrations of great old neon, storefront neon of any city in the country. And, you know, there's enough of a critical mass there that, uh, there's now this organized movement to really to preserve it. And so, you know, uh, there's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a small group of people that have kind of like banded together to work with the city and, you know, get the you know city government to kind of take part in, in uh, you know, working with like zoning variances if need be, but also kind of raising the money and working with the business owners to restore the signs in place. And an offshoot of this is, now I think this will be the third or fourth year that there's the Neon Speaks Symposium, which is, the, I mean, just like this phenomenal kind of convention of, uh, uh, it's a, a meeting place for the enthusiasts and the practitioners, you know, so it's, it's the, you know, the people who actually make the signs and the Instagram photographers are all kind of like coming together uh, and kind of uh, sharing their enthusiasm for the subject. And um, I, went last year in person was, it was great, you know, just really, really great. And, uh, you know, my only regret was that I had not gone the previous year. Uh, and so this year I was, you know, definitely going to go. And then it's now it's, it's happening virtually, but it is happening virtually. Uh, it's well worth looking up. Uh, it will be, I, I think it's September 24th, 25th, 26th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 25th through the 27th. And you've got October 3rd and 4th. So, uh, and, and people can look at the schedule there. All, all the events are, are highly documented. If you just Google neonspeaks.org, it's on there. Um, and I also can't recommend it. I mean, I've clearly haven't attended in person, but it's been, um, I've, I've interviewed, you know, a lot of the people that have organized it as well. Next as year. Part, um, largely in part. So, yeah. Uh, and, and all that said, you know, what have you learned, I guess, you know, since you started this journey, anything that you think would be, uh, anybody looking out there trying to document neon, any, any personal advice on, you know, your sort of evolution of your creative energy around the, uh, around the environment? Uh, I mean, well, 
I, what I will say is like, you know, what have I learned in this project is so much about so many things. I mean, you know, the thing about Neon, it turns out is that it, it you know, it weaves its way through so many different threads and areas of the cultural history of this country. And I think the same would be true for, you know, maybe any part of the world where it's a significant part of the landscape. But, you know, maybe especially this country. I mean, you know, I'll sit down and like watch Jeopardy at night and I'll get them all right. And it's because of this neon project. I mean, I learned so much about so many things in doing it, you know, but I think that the biggest like, you know, take home and the point that I tried to, you know, make sort of like the concluding point in the book that I wrote was that, you know, I, I think people's, what does it tell us that we love neon despite all the kind of bad things about neon or, you know, that, you know, neon has had, we have kind of like historically this love hate relationship, you know, with neon and what does it tell us to like sit down and try and like dissect that. And I mean, to me, I think what it tells us is, you know, the importance of there being variety in the landscape that we live in. And, you know, the, the idea that, um, you know, certain, sometimes junky old things that, you know, we shouldn't like, we do like, and we should think about why we like these things. And I mean, I think it's because, you know, they add a, a quality, uh, they add something important, and it's not just neon. It's kind of anything that's, that's sort of like a one-off, anything that kind of stands out for being rare or unusual, you know, it creates a, a contrast. And to live in a landscape without any kind of contrast, uh, I think you are, you're the loser if you live in, uh, in a landscape without contrast. I think, uh, you know, contrast adds you know, so much more to our quality of life than we appreciate. And so, I, you know, I hope that it's something that, you know, one day the people that pull the strings, uh, the urban planners, et cetera, will, you know, increasingly take into account. And I think, you know, they do uh, much more now than they, you know, in decades past kind of uh, you know, there is an appreciation for this idea of the importance of contrast in the landscape, but there are parts of the world um, where, you know, I think this lesson has not been learned yet. So, um, and, you know, some of those parts of the world are right here in this country. So anyway, that's sort of abstract and the long answer to your question, I guess. But <laughs> No, I think you shared it perfectly. I think I think platform two would be for neon is definitely it's a it's an interesting battlefield you know on one hand you've got several sort of you know moments where you can kind of say okay well it really had its reign it it worked very well um, but I think it, it's only what we do with it and I think on a human level like I like what you said I and mean, nearly identical to what you mentioned is these features these things that kind of make us unique are ultimately what the surprises are all about and. Uh, a lot of things have been attempted to replicate it, but I think initially when you roll it out, it, nothing really can really take its place. It's similar to, I think, what the vinyl situation ended up being, which was clearly there's a, a, situ a situation where people still wanted it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be around. And I feel that way very closely with Neon. And largely, it tells a very uh, interesting story. You know, there's nothing that can... Uh, you can debate about it, but, uh, but yeah, but I mean, you can add your own music to it. And a lot of general art forms, you know, it's very difficult to do that. And uh, you can do it very quickly. And, uh, 
and there's just lots of other ways to do things, you know, besides just, you know, color, there's other things like, you know, pacing and space, and it's very much a, a sculptural type of feel. Um, and I encourage, I think it encourages creativity. That's another thing I would mention. Uh, I think a lot of people get lost in the fact that it's just so commercial, but at the end of the day, there's communities that are performing this work that are doing it hand to hand. Um, and, and largely a lot of things have been farmed out. And I think this is one of the establishments that you can look back and you can really pinpoint, Hey, it's maintained its characteristics. It's, it's maintained its identity as opposed to a lot of, uh, industries really conforming or disbanding or even worse, just being absorbed into everything else. And so largely, um, I think that's given rise to not only the importance of them, but like you said, on a national level, it's important. Um, yeah, and it shouldn't be banned. You know, ultimately people should be able to do what they want with it and considering the things that it can do, it does it very well. So on that note, um, Tom, excellent uh, talk with you. Uh, people, if you haven't noticed Tom's work, please go get the book. It's it's out. Can they still get it on Amazon? I believe sure so. can. Okay, please do that. Uh, is that the best place to go get it as well? Um, I'm sort of sorry to say it probably is. I would love to say go to your favorite independent bookstore with a great neon sign hanging over the door. Uh, <laughs> do that if you can, but um, this might be a job for Amazon. Yeah, get the book any way you can. That's how we should leave it. Um, and then also, if they want to continue to engage with you, you are on Instagram. We'll put the links in the show notes. I always do this. I think it's very important, but you have the blog as well. And, uh, and what's next? Anything that you're working on that you want to make sure? Just check out Neon Speaks, of course, right? Of course. Yes. It's really great. I mean, I can't, uh, you know, say enough wonderful things about that. I mean, especially because, you know, as I said, it's like this meeting place for like the fans of Neon and the practitioners. And for a long time, like it was really hard to get those two to meet, you know, but they did it. I mean, with flying colors, it, it's just, it, I can't say enough great things about it. Um, yes, there's that. I, I, it appears that you have another book coming out on design patents, which is, a, a that has its own Instagram. Uh, I'll give you the link. Cool. Yeah. We'll put it in the notes as well. You can put that up. Uh, and that, yeah, so I've been, I've certainly been keeping busy. Awesome. Very, uh, very Tom, busy. I, We're done I, already? How did that happen? <laughs> Thanks again, Tom. Thanks for coming on the show. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>